Hello, 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 everybody. Uh, it is Wednesday, November 9th. You're in Gambier, Ohio. The time is 2 o'clock. Um, and this is WKCU 91.9. And 2 o'clock on a Wednesday, which means it's a time for jazz of the world. Uh, this is radio show. And this is a very, very, very special episode that we have for you today. Um, because it's not just me this time, and it, and it's not just one of my friends, but this is someone very, very, very knowledgeable on this topic. So who do, who do we have here on the show? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Uh, my name is Alex Murphy. Uh, I, I teach Japanese here at the college in modern languages and literatures. Um, and yeah, I am interested uh, in jazz in Japan, <laughs> uh, generally and specifically. Um, and I'm actually teaching a course this spring called Japan's Jazz Age, um, which, uh, as the title might suggest, deals with <laughs> jazz in Japan, but uh, basically across the 20th century. So I'm interested in that that notion of a jazz age, right? You know, if we think about what that tends to mean in the U.S. context, right? Um, you think of the Harlem Renaissance, right? You think of the Great Gatsby, the 1920s and 30s generally. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also the case in Japan. You do have a similar moment of yeah. modernism and dance hall culture and jazz sort of exploding into popularity yeah. in Japan. But you also see that happening a number of other times throughout the decades as they go on in the 50s, uh, in the post-war years, in the 1960s and 70s. We see different sort of uh, styles of jazz and uh, performance sort of enter the cultural imagination uh, up through the 80s and 90s with things like city pop and, you know, um, disco, disco, yeah, absolutely. And each of those moments, I think, uh, tells us interesting things about the culture and sort of context of Japan yeah. at that time. So, we'll, in the course, we'll be reading. Uh, we won't just be listening to music, although we'll be doing plenty of that, <laughs> obviously. But we'll also be watching uh, films, uh, reading poetry, short stories, novels, things like that, to get a sort of a broader sense of how we can understand kind of the twentieth and twenty-first century in Japan through uh, this particular lens. So, yeah, no, it's it sounds. Awesome. It's been sounding awesome. I, I'm sadly not taking Japanese this year, but I, I'm going to next year here at Kenyon. And um, I went to like the Japanese presentation on literally like the second day I was right, here on right. the second day. And you pitched this course um, kind of at the end almost mm-hmm. of, of the thing. It was it was yeah. probably one of the last things that you know we talked about because it was. Uh, like the departments, each department was kind of having like an info session. That's right. Um, and since then, I've, we've just been talking. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you are also, I'm a trumpet player. You're also a trumpet player. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I have a radio show. You used to have a radio show. I here used to have a radio show. That's right. Oh, yeah. I should probably mention that at the top. I used to, I, well, I was a student at Kenyon back yeah. in the olden days. And I did uh, do a radio show back then. This is actually my first time in the studio we were just talking before but um seeing the new space is kind of amazing and unbelievable to me (laughs) it wasn't bad it was you know it was in the same general area but it was a basement so there weren't windows um (laughs) the tech has clearly been updated (laughs) yeah you were Uh, telling me about a a cassette tape deck and i was like yeah that's i don't know that's the thing of the past (laughs) yeah well that's too bad i mean if i if i had to uh make one one personal request if i were to ever do a radio show again i would i would i would vouch for the 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 use the utility of the cassette uh deck but nonetheless everything else in here looks 
beautiful. I'm, yeah. I'm thoroughly impressed. And so thank you again for inviting <laughs> me on. This is really a treat. Um, uh, it's a treat for both of us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm also taking the History of Jazz, which is um, H's uh, music seminar, mm-hmm. and you came in for a, kind of a, a, a guest spot because mm-hmm. we were talking about, you know, jazz after World War II, after the, the record strike of, mm-hmm. of actually happening, like, pretty much during World War II, which yeah. stopped a lot of recording from happening. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was something with Japanese jazz because I have been listening to a lot of Japanese jazz fusion, but I mm-hmm. didn't know how much there would be. And I mean, that's kind of just been the the motto of the show is I, yeah. I'm, I'm personally, and I'm hoping to share this with everyone listening, learning so much uh, about every, really every, I'm learning about all these different types of cultures uh, and the music and, and how that, how that all kind of intertwines. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, I think it's a brilliant concept for a show. Like I, said, <laughs> I told you that uh, already, but I, I, I must I have to stress, like as far as like creative concepts for shows, like this, I think is is a perfect use of, uh, the, you know, the time slot. You know what I mean? And especially every week, if you're coming in with a bunch of new stuff that you're still sort of learning about, yeah. sort of, uh, in the process, I think that's great. And yeah, no, it was a, it was a blast to visit the class, the jazz class, and talk about jazz in Japan in the 50s and 60s, mostly the 50s. Yeah, right? pretty much. But, uh, 50s. Yeah, that was a real treat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so thank you one more time for, no, thank for coming you. on. Yeah, this is such a pleasure. Thank you. And yeah, you will be having to help me out with some of my pronunciations as <laughs> most guests end up having to do on the show. But I'll I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got my 90-day streak on Duolingo for Japanese. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> I actually, yeah, I, I just I pr- hated a couple of days ago, so that was pretty big. Um, yeah, so this should be a breeze for you, you know. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> breeze. Oh, oh, there you go. Breeze. Uh, See what I did there? <laughs> there I did. Okay. So, um, so we're going to do kind of this very similar format to most other shows. Where, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to start off playing two songs that I really, really... Um, that kind of were the reason that got me into Japanese jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I personally have sort of always had some some kind of interest in, in Japanese mm-hmm. um, culture. Uh, a lot of that came from a, a class I took in high school um, from Dr. Snyder with Dr. Snyder back at the uh, NYCI school called Nuclear Proliferation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... That was one of my interests that led me to a lot, learning a lot about um, Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also somewhat interested in like city planning, and oh, okay. Japan has some great, great urban city planning, uh, mm. public transportation. So mm-hmm. I'm interested in that, and then also, most importantly, the music. Uh, <laughs> and the thing that got me into the music is mm. going to be the first song that we're going to play today. This is. I'm going to play two songs that really got me into Japanese jazz. The first, you probably maybe will recognize as the uh, theme song to probably one of the first popular animes um, in America. Oh, certainly. Yeah, huge breakout uh, show in America. Absolutely. So this is uh, the theme song from Cowboy Bebop, which was uh, aired in late 90s and then ended up, you know, being... um, broadcasted very late on Cartoon Network. That's right. In the yeah. late 90s yeah. and it gave it this huge huge audience. It became really popular and this was more probably one of the nexus events for like uh interest in Japanese culture from Americans like Yeah, definitely. Of a certain so. age for sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And so the theme song is crazy. <laughs> it's so much fun. Um this is Tank by Seatbelts for song of the show. And again, thank you all for listening. 
I just I love that song. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. I I I think I I watched Cowboy Bebop uh, a couple of a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a it's a pretty good show. I think it holds up really well. But mm-hmm. what really holds up is the music. Yeah, and absolutely. the whole the whole soundtrack has um, some crazy like crazy stuff. Like it's oh, it's just a really it's a really good soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, it covers a lot of bases. There's that whole sort of like western theme, yeah. sort of stuff that they do because um, all those worlds that are represented mm-hmm. in the show sort of have theme music to go along with them. Yeah, when you mentioned that, uh, I didn't watch the show. When I wasn't, I was aware of the show when I was younger, mm-hmm. specifically the music. And it was those those days in like the early two thousands when Napster was a thing, uh, wow, and yeah. like LimeWire and all those file file sharing sites. So I remember my friends downloading that song. <laughs> so I, I heard the song and uh, some of the other songs from the soundtrack years and years before even watching the show. Uh, so similar story. Like yeah. that's what I was into before even uh, knowing what the show was about. <laughs> And it's it's I it's just a, it's a really upbeat funky tune that that's just fun. Absolutely. Um, so that's the first song, right? Mm-hmm. That's so that was that was sort of my nexus, right? My my origin story, my mm-hmm. to to Japanese jazz, and that that led me to Japanese jazz fusion. Mm-hmm. And so this next song we're gonna play is um, gonna be it's called Breeze um, from Jiro Inagaki and Soul Media. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I did that pronunciation pretty well. You nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. Inagaki, yeah. You could say Inagaki Jiro. He's, uh, you know, he's well known uh, outside of Japan. So I think Jiro Inagaki is mm-hmm. is probably how most people would recognize him, probably if they're yeah. listening. Yeah, definitely. And this this is um, from his Funky Stuff album. You probably, if you've listened to any Japanese jazz fusion, you mm-hmm. probably will recognize it. It's um, the it's like a green man with sunglasses. I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember the actual. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a green guy with like what purple or purple pink, pink sunglasses. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, there pink. it is. Yeah, it's a great cover, and he's got that little purple ring on. Yeah, he's um, got a pinky ring that matches his his sunglasses. I feel like probably a lot of people would recognize it by by sight yeah. as, as much as sound, right? Just because yeah. that's such a ubiquitous uh, image, and it has a very very distinct. Um, sound and so this also starts off kind of a, our semi theme for mm-hmm. the uh, episode uh, yeah. Breezin or Breeze right for some reason there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of songs that actually talk about Breeze 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 and yeah there's it's a, it's a weird sub <laughs> sub theme throughout yeah absolutely <laughs> um, so could maybe do a whole show on Breeze but um, we'll stick to Japanese jazz this time so uh, this is Breeze um, from Jiro Inagaki's Funky Stuff Boy, is it funky.
so that was um, Breezin by Jiro Inagaki. And I got some really fun texts during that. Um, shout out Milo. Uh, I legally cannot uh, curse on air, but he said something really really great to the about that that uh song and yeah it is nice. it's a really funky song yeah um take this second to thank ella erin and ben ella's and her friends erin and ben for listening cool. margo is listening obvi in berlin wow which is always crazy wow. uh, <laughs> my parents listening back in new york city excellent and then nora zoe kendall lj katie milo erin um, Isaac and Grace, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening. Very much appreciated. Yeah, yeah this, this is this has been great, and and we're not even at the really crazy fun stuff yet. So <laughs> make sure to keep listening. Um, so that was uh, Breezin, and that was uh, an album released in the seventies. I'm pretty sure. Let me check the date on that one. Yeah, that was a uh, Giro. Yeah, 75, right 75, smack in the middle yeah. of the decade, yeah. So uh, that was kind of a, almost the, one of the peaks of Japanese jazz fusion, 70s into the 80s for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But now we're going we're gonna to take a step back. Um, and I feel like this is definitely now more your <laughs> vein of things that are, you know, your knowledge sphere. Right. Um, and all of this is stuff that the stuff that I know I just learned from talking to you over the last couple of days sure, about yeah, this. Yeah. Um, but you know, I want to we're gonna take this time to go back even you know before World War Two, uh, World War One, mm -hmm. uh, and look at like the the actual foundations of, of Japanese music, mm -hmm. um, some of their classical instrumentation. Um, so this first song is played with the shamisen 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 that's shamisen. right shamisen got it yep. uh which is this uh guitar like uh instrument with three strings plucked meant to be plucked yeah um and it's used in like you know folk settings right mm -hmm. folk uh, settings uh even in sort of more formal theatrical settings it's used for kabuki theater uh no drama uh, it's very versatile. I would say it's it's it has three strings. Honestly, in, in timbre and use, it, it reminds me the most of the banjo, actually. Really? Um, which is which is cool. Yeah, uh, I totally see that. I know. totally see that now that you say that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's plucked with a really hard pick, a plectrum, uh, and it's uh, yeah, it has a long neck. It has a sort of a you know a sort of a, a skin uh, hide sort of. Um, uh, drum, yeah. So it's it, it, it's effectively sort of in the banjo family for sure. Uh, and so the the first song is oh be, yes, yeah. So, so the first song uh, you want me to take this one? Yeah, you introduce <laughs> this one because sure it is in Japanese. You did very nicely write it in English translation, but I could still might butcher that one. <laughs> no, not at all. So yeah, so this is the Daishin Sai no Uta one, right? Yeah, is yeah. That the one we're looking at, yeah. So. This is an interesting song. You mentioned you were interested sort of in city planning. Mm -hmm. So this is actually kind of relevant, actually. Um, so the song is called Daishinsai no Uta, uh, which means earthquake song. Uh, and it came out in 1923. Do you know what happened in Japan yeah, in 1923? 1923? I feel like I'm going to take a really bold guess here and say that there sure. might have been an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. Yes. 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 There was a, a massive earthquake in Tokyo. Uh -huh. in 1923 that effectively leveled the city. Wow. Um, as you as you may or may not know, Tokyo at that time was mostly uh, 
populated by wooden houses, a lot huh. of wooden structures. So when the earthquake hit and uh, fires broke out, the, they just took over the city. Really? It was a wow. huge, huge, huge devastating disaster. Um, and it was a real sort of almost sort of spiritual rupture and sort of epistemic rupture in the sort of the, the, the sort of the, the, the country as a whole mm -hmm. and specifically in obviously the, you know, the capital. Yeah. Um, and so at the time there were a lot of these, uh, traveling performers called Enkashi who were, um, basically itinerant, uh, minstrels, right? They would go mm -hmm. around. Uh, and, and, and sing for money, sing for food, things like that, or just sing for general entertainment. Yeah. Uh, probably the most famous, uh, example or representative of that style of music was a, was a guy named Soida Azimbo. Um, and he was active at this time. And he, uh, along with Totori Shunyo, who, uh, I think composed, uh, the, the instrumental melody, wrote this song called Earthquake Song, basically eulogizing uh the event wow um yeah. and it's a, it's an interesting example of what you could call popular music at the time right so this is sort of with the advent of recording uh only a few years prior uh -huh. so even in the 19 early 1920s you have western instruments in japan right you know they're, they're yeah. Been, yeah. this is sort of you know we're well into the the period of modernization so you hear violins right you hear trumpets and things like that so this is an interesting case of some sort of western instruments being mixed with uh instruments like the shamisen uh, by popular performers, but this is still pre sort of jazz age stuff. So you can get a sense of sort of what uh, the scales sort of sound like, mm -hmm. uh, what the instrumentation and the singing style sounds like um, from this uh, particular song. So yeah, and we're gonna play a song later that really shows kind of the distinctive singing Japanese singing style that mm -hmm. um, you showed in the history of jazz class, mm -hmm. the um, Toki Boogie Woogie. Yeah, yeah. Tokyo Boogie Woogie. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's that. It's just fun. But um, yeah, so this is I did not I did not know that. Yeah. There, yeah. I, there you go. <laughs> I, <laughs> we're learning live on air. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, this is this is the the earthquake song. Mm -hmm. um, 1923 
continues like that for another six minutes yeah it sort of loops you know (laughs) but you get the idea you get the sort of how the verse melody goes right it's a really i think it's a really beautiful sort of melancholy song i mean a lot of it's about you know people dying and you know the city being reduced to ashes you know so it has a really you know i i I find that so i could i when i'm by myself i could listen to it uh uh, for ages but um interestingly you'll, you'll probably surmise that that's not a recording from 1923? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I misspoke. Oh, no, 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 not at all. The song was from 19... I think there is a recording of it, but that version I really like, it's by a guy named Tsuchitori... Uh, Toki Yuki. Uh, Toshiyuki, yeah. Toshiyuki, yeah. Uh, and he is an interesting person as well, actually, in, in the jazz world. He mm-hmm. uh, is still alive. Oh, wow. Um, he got his start in the 70s playing sort of avant-garde experimental jazz he's a percussionist Mm -hmm. and he got very interested in early musics in japan like from like the sort of almost paleolithic era onward so if you look up his stuff uh online you find a lot of really cool drum albums he played with like milford graves and Derek bailey uh a lot of really interesting avant-garde guys in the 70s 80s but then he got really interested in these sort of early uh japanese uh uh musical styles and so he did a bunch of these recordings of early Enkashi uh, music so that's one of them yeah that's that's awesome um and yeah that, that was we were just talking during the song that there's really only those you know three instruments you just hear a violin the uh, shamisen and the you know vocal performance mm-hmm. um and I mean traditionally was it just the shamisen accompanying the voice um, Oftentimes, or, yeah, yeah, it could be very sparse because, again, it's an easy thing to carry around. You know, you could wear it, you know, sort of slung over your shoulder, right? Yeah. So a lot of those performers would basically come up with a violin, a shamisen. You know, they wouldn't need much else, you know. Mm-hmm. But that sort of forms the basis of the melody and the accompaniment, so. Yeah. yeah. And then we have um, one more little um, thing to kind of give the foundation of what Japanese music sounded like, um before the real introduction of, of jazz into mm-hmm. the culture and mm-hmm. and starting the fusion of you know Western jazz ideas with Japanese instrumentation and mm-hmm. scales um, and so this um, this is uh, a minyo yes. which I just learned about mm-hmm. and I would be happy to share with you all it's uh, yeah. almost like a, a Japanese folk story right it's part of is that what it was part of the um, part of like a, a musical performance. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely telling a story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Minyo just, it, it, in essence, means uh, folk music in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oftentimes, minyo are narrative songs, right? Yeah. Uh, they're often from, you know, the, the countryside. So they often, you know, are about a good harvest or a bad harvest, right? <laughs> or, you know, or some some uh, some guy, you know, bets his son or daughter in a dice game or something. You know, like just, you know, classic <laughs> tales of old sort yeah. of stuff. 
but yeah, Minyo uh, was hugely popular in Tokyo uh, in the in the teens and twenties. Uh, at, at the time of the earthquake, a lot of people were moving into the city from the countryside, so there was this huge sort of uh, market for regional folk songs. So yeah. weirdly enough, it becomes popular again, sort of in the in the teens and twenties. Yeah, and so this is one that um, you sent me mm-hmm. by uh, Shinbashi Kyozo. Bingo. It, yeah. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> Huge pronunciation. You're two for two. Um, and um, the song name is in, in Japanese. Would you care yes. to translate yes. for us? This is called uh, <laughs> This is called Kagoshima uh, Oharabushi, uh, which is from the prefecture Kagoshima Prefecture. Uh-huh. Uh, and we can just play a little brief snippet of this, uh, just to give you a sense of some of the uh, the style, this, what you generally hear when you hear regional folk songs. Uh, and this singer is a geisha singer, actually. And what is what does that mean, the uh, geisha singer? Yeah. So in in uh, in Japan in the early modern period up until uh, you know the the twentieth century, geisha uh, performers were mm-hmm. uh, often incredibly popular. Uh, singers and musicians so if you were to go to the sort of the quote-unquote entertainment district of the yeah. city uh and, and and visit uh geisha they would perform for the evening and they'd sing these types of songs so when it came time to uh find early recording uh, artists in the in the teens and 20s geisha became incredibly popular awesome. uh, artists as well yeah thank you yeah so um yeah this is a uh this is it. This is the the menu. This is the menu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll play a brief snippet of it. Um, here it is. listening to the instrumentation and and so there's the percussive drum right um but then and then there's a couple shamisens mm-hmm. playing you can hear the shamisen and this one is interesting actually you can hear some some western instruments there as well right yeah um you hear a clarinet i think mm-hmm. as well uh so yeah in these types of recordings since we are sort of in the era of recorded sound you definitely get uh western instruments adapted to uh to play these kinds of songs um you know in a studio setting you know, to sort of beef up the arrangement a little bit, maybe make it a little more, uh, you know, uh, contemporary yeah, for yeah. the time, you know. Uh, but it's really when you start uh, hearing examples of sort of stylistic fusion with jazz that mm-hmm. it starts to get really interesting uh, in the 30s. 
And so this next tune is really <laughs> indicative of, of mm-hmm. this kind of fusion. So there's, um, this is another, um, you know, folk song, another minyo. Um, but instead of being backed by, you know, just the shamisen, mm-hmm. you have Western instrumentation, almost jazz-like instrumentation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like definitely like some swing feel in the drums. Mm-hmm. There's a, a trumpet. Um, yeah, I mean, there you have uh, vocal harmonies yeah. that are coming straight out of the sort of the, the 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 jazz quartet era, like the Mills Brothers and stuff like that. It's a trip of a song. So this is sort of like the first kind of wave of, I guess, jazz fusion, if you want to call yeah, it that. Yeah, the first, <laughs> first wave of jazz fusion. I like that. In Japan, yeah. Um, and so this is um, a song by the Western Rhythm Boys. Yes. Um, Ohana-chan. Ohana-chan, that's right. Ohana-chan. Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean anything uh, specifically? or uh, It's it's someone's name. Just someone's name, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, a woman's name, yep. Sweet. Well, here it is. This is the uh, Western Rhythm Boys. First, first first jazz fusion yeah but definitely not the last definitely not the last (laughs) here it is something <laughs> <laughs> i love it i mean it's like cab calloway meets japanese minyo you know um i was gonna say the uh 
the thing that you can hear, especially that sort of identifies the 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 sound of that sort of folk melody, is a particular uh, kind of pentatonic scale that is used a lot in uh, in Japanese music. The, mm. It's called yonanuki, which literally means minus the fourth, minus the seventh, <laughs> right? <laughs> minus four, minus four and seven. Yeah. So it's a pentatonic scale with the fourth and seventh scale degrees uh, taken out. Um, but it can be a minor or a major uh, pentatonic um, with that in mind. But that's sort of like the, the, the classic scale that one hears. In two one's ears, you're probably used to hearing it it's without it It's very distinctive. Realizing. Yeah, it's yeah. a very distinctive scale. And um, not this song, but the next song uh, in our History of Jazz class, H was really p pointing it out in the, mm -hmm. um, like the modulation. And mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it's super recognizable. And, and when that song comes up, um, yeah, you'll we'll hear definitely it play too. that. But, but yeah. that song is like... I can't believe that song was um, released in what, like, 1930, 30. That was, I think, the mid 30s. It was earlier than that. I think it was 35 or 36, I want to say. Yeah. Um, I might, it might have the date on that. Uh, yeah, it's still, um, you know, before World War II. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's just, like, really super interesting. And so we have, we have one more song um, mm -hmm. that kind of closes off this pre World War II mm -hmm. uh, age. Uh, and this is actually by a, a really interesting uh, musician, uh, Fumiko Kawabata, mm -hmm. uh, who is this um, Hawaiian-born Japanese-American mm -hmm. uh, and kind of became fam famous as, you know, this entertainer, dancer, singer. Mm -hmm. um, but this piece, you said, was really, really interesting. It came out in 1932. Mm -hmm. uh, and it might have been a little later than that, but really? I'm not, I'll have to double check. But, yeah. um, but in any case, yeah. And um, backing the band is the Columbia Records Jazz Band. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and this is one of the first, you said, um, bilingual Japanese and English vocal tunes, you know, ever. In, a, for, in, in a jazz. jazz. In jazz, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's a fascinating person. She's a big part of uh, some of the research I've been doing into this period, and I think her story is fascinating. I'm hoping to uh, get some things out there into the world <laughs> that, that, that say a bit more about it. Uh, but what's interesting to think about is she, she didn't have a great command of Japanese at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so when you listen to the way she sings Japanese, she does it in a very unique, kind of distinctive way, yeah. uh, which I think is really cool. So we're sort of hearing Japanese sung through not just English, uh, through, the, through the, the language of an English speaker, but sort of through a jazz singer, first and foremost, right? So it's an interesting way we're hearing Japanese in a sung form, kind of uh, for the first time, yeah, and it's and it's just like super, super. It's just good. It's also just, it's good. just really yeah. good. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the song she's doing. I ain't got nobody, and nobody uh, cares for me, which is an old standard. That yeah, you'll probably recognize. Um, yeah. So, should we? I mean, you uh, were talking a lot about. Was this the the person you just went out to California to dig into? Yeah, yeah. I went out to. Uh, the Bay Area a few mm -hmm. weeks back uh, during the winter break or the mm -hmm. what was it the fall, fall break, break yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to poke around the archives a little bit to to turn some stuff up and uh, yeah she's uh, a really fascinating individual you know lived in Japan for a few years to pursue this career obviously in the 30s Japanese Americans uh, who were living in California like she was at the time uh, weren't really able to pursue careers in music there was yeah. a hugely uh, destructive anti-Japanese movement that was very uh, um, prominent at the time. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of cases, Japanese-American performers who wanted to pursue careers in music and in jazz uh, looked to Japan. They oh, thought, okay. well, I can, you know, uh, if I'm a second generation 
uh, Japanese American. Maybe I can go uh, go to Tokyo. Yeah. And in many cases, for the first time. So oftentimes, there she was advertised as performing homecoming, quote unquote, concerts. Really, right? But uh, yeah. she had never been to Japan. Wow. Right? So uh, so you're hearing someone sort of learning. Uh, Japanese kind of in real time yeah. someone learning uh, how to be a performer and an entertainer as a I think she was maybe 18 at the time fascinating wow um, yeah uh, she has an incredible uh, brief uh, but really really interesting career in Japan yeah well enjoy the tune this is um, I Ain't Got Nobody yep Hitori Bochi in Japanese they call it yeah nice alright here it is So that tune goes uh, goes on like that for a bit, um, mm-hmm. but we are realizing now that we're about we're so forty seconds <laughs> in, and we still have so much to get to. Absolutely. Um, so 
we're gonna move on. Um, so after that, um, after this period of like fusion, before World War Two, and, and then World War Two happens, mm -hmm. um, which um, I feel like most people probably know what happened. <laughs> the Americans won, and um, with the British, they occupied Japan, mm -hmm. uh, rewrote their constitution. Mm -hmm. um, Changed a lot about, you know, the government. I mean, pretty much changed the entire government. Mm -hmm. um, and um, this took a long time. And That's there were right. a lot of Americans stationed in Japan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what did, what did they do for these Americans? Well, they made jazz clubs. <laughs> they made right. jazz clubs to <laughs> occupy the American officers. Uh, and this is really kind of the big part of when American jazz and Japanese uh, starts to super come together and, and you can see it. Um, yeah, so this is sort of what we might think of as like the second jazz age. Yeah. Right? When the when the uh, the occupation forces, which by the way included jazz musicians. Yeah. Right? You know, we think about, you know, uh, you know white and black servicemen uh, and service members who were in the U.S. military at the mm -hmm. time. Some of them have been drafted and were playing in jazz bands prior to yeah. that. So you have uh, service members, amateur and some professional who were mm -hmm. living in Japan and, and going to these, uh, these jazz clubs um, in Tokyo. And, and also happening at this time and something that we've touched on a lot on this show is uh, jazz being used as a diplomacy tool mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. or an American propaganda tool almost right. against, against the spread of communism. Mm -hmm. And so uh, especially in Africa mm -hmm. uh, after World War II to keep um, you know the Soviet Union trying out of out of Africa. One of the many things that America uh, did was uh, brought jazz musicians, who were um, you know mostly African American, mm -hmm. uh, into you know all of these African uh, and Asian countries, and they performed. And it would kind of be this like show of like, oh look how good we are. You know mm -hmm. we're supporting everyone. We're supporting all these different types of culture. Soviet Union wouldn't do that, but you know, here in America, land of the free, we have jazz. You know, yeah. most free type of music, mm -hmm. um, and so that's also happening in Japan at this time. Absolutely, in a nutshell, yeah. I mean, when you think about what's happening in East Asia in 1950, uh, the Korean War, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons uh, a lot of the service members in the military were in Japan. They were it was sort of a, a way station, right? Uh, it was a yeah. staging ground. So. Yeah, exactly. And Japan was also part of that sort of diplomatic project of mm -hmm. uh, fighting communism in the East. Right? Yeah. If Japan has been rehabilitated successfully under American <laughs> occupation, uh, isn't that a great thing? right? Yeah. And, and all the better if they're also into jazz. So we, we see a lot of American uh, musicians touring. Jazz at the Philharmonic visits Tokyo. Um, and uh, just countless uh, top jazz bands, jazz musicians are coming through uh, in the late 40s and early yeah. 50s. I mean, really, everyone who's anyone is playing yep. in Japan. Yep. You know, I, there's, you know, obviously the tours in Europe, mm -hmm. you know, in Paris specifically. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people going to Paris, but just as many, you know, if not, maybe they probably the same amount, but people playing in, in Japan. Yeah. Um, and so this, this next track is one that's definitely stood out since you showed it to our class in the history of jazz. Mm -hmm. um, and this is... Um, the Tokyo Boogie Woogie. Yes, yes. And so what? what, what is the Tokyo Boogie Woogie? <laughs> what professor? is the Tokyo Boogie Woogie? Indeed. Well, I would encourage people, if they haven't seen a video of uh, the song being performed, to look it up on YouTube. The singer uh, is uh, Kasagi Shizuko, uh, who's an incredibly animated, fun mm -hmm. singer to watch because she sort of dances while she sings. 
And she was, I think, one of the the, the earliest sort of breakout pop singers uh, in the in the post-war years. Yeah. Um, and she was performing throughout uh, the pre-war and wartime period as well. And that's something to keep in mind is that jazz was formally outlawed in Japan uh, for the duration of the war from 41 to 45. But people were still really interested in jazz, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they were trying to find ways to play jazz without calling it that, <laughs> right? So it sort of continues in some interesting oblique kinds of ways. So when uh, Kasagi Shizuko burst back onto the scene in 1947, uh, her audience is still right there with her. And yeah. she's still, uh, you know, she still knows all the steps, right? Uh, from when she started performing. So this song, Tokyo Boogie Woogie, was the first of what became a whole slew of other Boogie Woogie songs that she recorded. There's, I think, maybe at least a dozen of them. Uh, but this one's by far the best known, so. Yeah, and um, it's part of, uh, we watched the clip of her performing it with uh, this film Drunken Angel, which mm-hmm. was this, like, Japanese Yakuza uh, Yeah, one of uh, Kurosawa Akira's uh, uh, early uh, early sort of uh, films set in a contemporary setting. Yeah. Yeah, which is a great movie I would recommend watching. Um, but yeah, so here it is. This is the, the Tokyo Boogie Woogie, and... Um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. Uh, yeah, here it is. Modulation, mm-hmm. um, super distinctive, and and it really calls back back to the Yonouki scale that like pentatonic. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I say that right? Yonouki. Yonouki. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can hear a bunch of that in her boogie woogie songs, which I think is really interesting. She worked with a composer named Hatori Ryoichi, who was mm-hmm. really interested in fusing uh, the Yonouki scale with jazz instrumentation and melody. So. 
Uh, yeah, her Boogie Woogie series, I guess you could call it, in the late 40s and uh, I think maybe in the early 50s is a ton of fun. And I would, again, encourage people to look up uh, videos of her singing in Drunken Angel. Yeah. Uh, she's just a really uh, uh, enthusiastic, uh, entertaining singer to watch. So. It's. I mean, yeah, it's like very much like the jazz legends of, you know, half entertainer, half not, uh, like, especially in, in the swing dance times, you have, mm -hmm. you know, Cab Calloway. Yeah. Uh, very much, and um, even Duke Ellington in some way, like, with all of the flash. Oh, totally, and, yeah. All, like, like, a lot of pizzazz, right? Yeah, like, a lot sure. of razzmatazz, that sort of thing, you know? And she was often criticized for being kind of indecent, right? Mm -hmm. uh, she had a, she was very popular among uh, the demimon, you get, like, the sort of, uh, in the post-war period, there were a lot of black market parts of Tokyo and yeah. other cities. Uh, and the people who hung out in those areas really liked her music, you know, <laughs> so, because it was really sort of brash and sort of uh, kind of freewheeling. But. Yeah. Um, and in the interest of uh, time, just wanted to let you know, uh, we're going to keep going after three. <laughs> we, <laughs> that's we, fine. We have, a, we have a lot more stuff that's really fun. Um and so we're gonna, people are hanging in with yeah. us. <laughs> so uh, please stick around if you can. If not, I know you have class. But, um, yeah, if you're doing some homework, you know, keep an earbud in. <laughs> Won't hurt anybody. Um, so this next tune uh, is more of this, you know, merging of mm. Japanese and, and uh, classical jazz. And so mm -hmm. this is a piece by Akiyoshi Doshiko. Yep. Um, and this is Kyoshu, uh, and it's uh, you described it to me as Bill Evans. -esque. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, I think she's a piano player. I think you hear in her voicings and stuff. Uh, and then this is from the mid fifties. I think fifty six is yeah. when this came out. But she's incorporating uh, some interesting uh, tonal textures that draw on uh, some Japanese sort of musical traditions. You'll hear it a little bit. And it's the reason I like it is because it's not like a sort of a hacky, cliched kind of. You know, yeah. thing. It's 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 really well done, and she's an interesting, incredibly well known in the jazz world. But she got her start performing for American GIs mm -hmm. in those uh, those uh, those bases, those jazz clubs and stuff when she was very young, and then she was discovered uh, by I think Oscar Peterson. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Or one of the on one of those diplomatic tours, and they thought she was so remarkable, they arranged to have her study at the Berklee School of Music. Cool. <laughs> and, and so she came over in '56, and then immediately sort of became a sensation yeah. started playing with really the top rhythm players of the times all of her trios were like just uh all-star cast yeah. so i think this is from her first maybe first or second record that she recorded mm -hmm. in the states uh but she was a, a total sort of phenom in the 50s yeah and it's um it's just it's super classy it's like super it just sounds really yeah really good yeah she, um. she's a incredibly talented player so yeah, yeah and she I, I have it you know some of the stuff that I read about her that she was mm. like really inspired to kind of merge and investigate her, her you know Japanese musical mm -hmm. heritage and so a lot of the stuff that she, she composed was through um, you know these like almost Japanese harmonies mm -hmm. um, and yeah and but she also really found a lot of influence from Duke Ellington and, you know, people oh, yeah. like Charles Mingus, Bud Powell. Mm, mm -hmm. um, definitely, definitely. And so, yeah, here's the tune. Yeah, this is Kyoshu. Oh, which means... Uh, oh, yeah, Kyoshu. Kyoshu. Nostalgia? Nostalgia. Or homesickness, actually. Nice. This is kind of interesting. This is, then imagine her in uh, New York. In, yeah, in, New York. In 56, thinking of home, maybe. Nice. <laughs> All right, well, here it is.
So that's the gist. That's the gist of it. Indeed. <laughs> that's, that's the gist of it. Um, yeah, we're we're cutting um, some of these short just out of respect for time mm-hmm. for people listening. Also for you, Professor. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, more for the listener's sake. I feel like since. Uh, uh, I was so eager about, you know, oh, we got to play this and this and that, you know, like, <laughs> all of a sudden I'm looking at like way too much material. But uh, and of course, me yakking about all of it in between. Is gonna yeah, but it's it's worth it consistently. I mean, easily, easily worth it. Oh, I forgot to log the time. We probably started that one at. Yeah, I think that's right. 250. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> so this next tune, actually, I, I completely found on my own and I love I love this song. Because it's so, mm. I, I, for me, it just really captures that fusion. Um, mm-hmm. So this is Take Five, which mm-hmm. you probably know. It's a pretty sure it's Dave Brubeck. Yep, Dave Brubeck's tune, uh, and it's a jazz standard. Uh, shout out Dexter Pakula, my trumpet player back home, uh, who played this for our little final thing, um, which was really fun. Nice, and he played the piano part and the trumpet part at the same time, uh-huh. which was crazy. Yeah. I'd have to see a video of that. <laughs> I do have a video for it. Maybe I'll play it live on air. Um, sadly, out. he's not listening, but he's class right now. Um, up at Carlton. Um, and so this is take five, but it's with the Shaku Hachi. And I'm now hearing my echo in the recording. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll say I was I will say I was really uh, thrilled that you uh, picked this one because uh, I also got a real kick out of this the first time I heard it. Because again, it's like, it's the shakuhachi flute, which again you'll hear and you'll go, "Oh, that sounds like, that sounds like a Japanese instrument." Yeah. But again, it's done in a way that I think is really successful. Yeah. Because uh, he's a really serious player, and I think he really takes the music serious, the, the, the jazz aspect of it really seriously. So yeah, I think it's it's awesome. it's so cool. So this is Minu Minura Mura Murauko Murauko almost almost. You know, this is uh, Muraoka Muraoka. You know, yeah, that's right. Muraoka. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it now. I see yeah, it now. It's all right. Um, and he, I mean, yeah, this is from his album Bamboo. Um, so he's playing all this on the Shaku Hachi flute. Uh, it's a bamboo flute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a very traditional Japanese instrument. Um, but he does really interesting stuff with it. And all of his other music is super interesting fusion. So mm. when did um, this come out? This one? This came out also in. I think it might be even ni- 1970 itself. I only think you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it is. I think it is really just 1970. I mean, mm-hmm. bamboo. Min. It's also got a great cover too, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, looking bamboo. up bamboo is probably not a great action. Uh, take five. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, 1970. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's really it's really cool. Um, we'll play the head and some of the solos, and then. Cut off, but yeah, I I do really recommend listening to this this song, but also this whole album because it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Um, so this is take five. Here it is.
drum solo goes on for a, a, a bit, and so we'll, we'll cut that piece there. But it's just crazy. It's cool, right? It's yeah, so cool. You hear the shakuhachi, but you also hear the koto, that zither playing there. Yeah. You hear some taiko drums, right? They got a great inst- set of instruments on that on that track. Yeah, it's there's also an electric bass and an organ also mm-hmm. apparently, mm-hmm. Uh, just from what I found out. So it's really crazy. It's I, that song just really stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, Take 5 is just a classic jazz combo. Um, oh, now H would really be interested. What, what, what would you call Take 5? Da-da-da-da-da. Is it Bebop? I don't know if I would go as that far. I mean, I guess Dave Brubeck generally gets sort of cool, grouped in with the cool group. Cool jazz, the yeah. Cool jazz yeah, on, the breeze, cool jazz, on the breeze yeah. theme, right? Yeah. yeah. It's sort of like a West. Well, yeah, I think, you know, it's a little mellower, right? Yeah. You know, that's, that's sort of the color. There's sort of richer hues in the yeah, music, you know. Sure. But he was pulling on sort of uh, kind of orientalized ideas mm-hmm. on that record too, like Blue Rondo, a la Turk, sort of plays around with sort of what I mean would broadly be construed the time as sort of Eastern influence in one degree or another. So yeah. it's also interesting that that's happening uh, in American jazz as well. They're come, they're they're also coming to Japanese, yeah, 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 in those types of ideas. Thelonious Monk sort of uh, sort of experiments with sort of Japanese themes in some in some songs. Yeah. So it's sort of working both ways at the time, which is kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this next tune is all all you tell us what is what is oh. what is, what are we about to hear? <laughs> well, this one I don't know. I, I I think that the something that's always worth mentioning when it comes to jazz in Japan is free jazz mm-hmm. uh, because I think internationally, like Japan, is really well known for its free jazz and experimental or avant garde uh, players. And I mean, if anyone has has listened to. Uh, Sun Ra or Ornette Coleman yeah. or Cecil Taylor, uh, you know it can get pretty out there pretty quick, mm-hmm. pretty noisy. <laughs> Maybe not the most uh, palatable mm-hmm. stuff all the time. I th- I find it really uh, exhilarating to listen to, but I wanted to find an example of something that was a, sort of a free jazz track, but it, that maybe was a little easier on the ears. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I I picked something by Mot- uh, Yoshizawa Motoharu, who is a uh, uh, a bass player, and mm-hmm. I think you you found out. Um, we were we were trying to figure out if there's two basses on this song, if there's a double bass on the song, uh, or not. <laughs> there's definitely one being played with a bow. Yeah, and one being played plucking. Then one being plucked. So I'm guessing that there's two basses mm-hmm. uh, on the track. Um, but yeah, he was a really uh, prolific player. Again, played with guys like Derek Bailey, but also Abe Kaudu, uh just a ton of uh, sort of big names in the in the free jazz world yeah. in the nineteen and this is again the nineteen seventies, sixties and seventies. So yeah, I think this track's really cool because it it it, it draws on a sort of a free music approach, but mm-hmm. again in a really lyrical uh, kind of pretty way. Yeah, uh, and and here I mean this is really after this in the seventies and and you know there's the splitting of jazz in the sixties from you know just swing and it's to uh, bebop hard bop mm-hmm. cool jazz uh, modal jazz mm-hmm. uh, free jazz and here right now we're starting to see those splits yeah in japan um mm-hmm. and so this is free jazz but after this it's all fusion yeah yeah exactly it's all fusion <laughs> exactly the free jazz guys continue to do their, do their thing and yeah. sort of different permutations and uh lineups and stuff but this is yeah really the moment when fusion really starts to pop yeah so this is pre-fusion yeah, yeah. um and i i was looking into uh yoshizawa mm-hmm. uh and i i figured out that he designed uh and made himself a five-string bass 
called the uh, Turk Tack. Um, yeah, I never, I hadn't heard of that. That's which I, it's just his thing. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was crazy. Uh, so yeah, here's the tune. Atmospheric. Yeah, that yeah, tune. yeah. That's a that's a that's a sundowner one. You know, <laughs> I think it plays better at night. You know, <laughs> but I think it's, a nice warm glass of milk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe, something, maybe something warm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's got a warm sound. So yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, we finally made it to fusion jazz. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, guys. We did uh, it. We did it. <laughs> And it's crazy. It is crazy, this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so we're keeping in line with our semi-theme. Uh, breeze. Breeze in. Um, and this next tune is uh, another one that really... I really like listening to my Spotify Discover Weekly. Mm -hmm. And this one came up like kind of every other week. Yeah. Which is... It shouldn't be doing that. Right. They should be having new songs in there. But I'm happy that it really just kept, because I kept listening to it and I kept hearing it. Yeah. And it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and so this is uh, Breezin by Masayoshi Takanaka um, from his album On Guitar, which was, oh, late 1970s, I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, probably 79. Yeah, I think it might be. Oh, my God. I know. I should probably have this pulled up, too. I know. Uh, I feel like you're right. 79. Oh, 78. 78. Okay. 
We're pretty close. We're in the though. ballpark. We're yeah. in the ballpark <laughs> for sure. Um, and he's a he's a guitarist, but he also did a lot of really other stuff. Mm-hmm. Started off playing in a prog rock band called Flyed Egg, which I didn't know. I haven't listened to their stuff, but I thought that would be. Cr- Have you heard Flyed Egg? Yeah, I, a little bit. I was going <laughs> to say it's a funny name, but the. Um, he was also in a band called the Sadistic Mika Band, oh, wow. which was a really cool band uh, that was also a fusion band. They also sort of played kind of like glam, like Roxy music kind of stuff. Like they were wild. Um, a lot of they were also well known for having a lot of famous people in that band who came from and went on to do other things, like yeah. like him. Yeah, and uh, who's the other fellow who was in that band? Um, Takahashi Kui, uh, Kuihiro, I think, was in uh, YMO mm. Yellow Magic Orchestra. Oh wow! Uh, after that, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, where we miss it, yeah, YMO song. I know, but I mean, this is all kind of YMO adjacent yeah, in yeah, a lot of yeah. ways. YMO is sort of pulling on some other influences for sure, but I think you know that's the sort of the the, the sadistic Mika band is the connection between Takanaka, YMO, Happy End, all yeah. that sort of like AOR stuff from the seventies. Um, I always uh, I always mixed up ELO and YMO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Holy>. um, <laughs> very different sounds. Yeah, yeah. But um, and yeah, so. Masayo, uh, Takanaka Masayoshi mm-hmm. is the um, also very influential in creating the Japanese city pop genre yeah, and really sure. popularizing that and yeah. you can definitely hear that uh, in this track mm-hmm. um, so this is Breezin from Masayoshi Takanaka's album on guitar let's do it let's do it
So that song goes on funky, yep. groovy. It wails on <laughs> for a couple of minutes. <laughs> for for quite some some time. Um, but it's really good. And uh, Margo, who's listening from Berlin, actually just texted me something really kind of funny uh, that it sounds like Twerp, my favorite band. Mm. If you probably know, if you're listening to the show, you probably know that my favorite band is Tupperware Remix Party. <laughs> and they find a lot of their informa- um, inspiration from... Japanese city pop, um, which that's so funny and yeah, awesome. <laughs> ta- ta- Takanaka um, mm-hmm. really helped was a big part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But we're talking about twerp. This next song is even more twerp <laughs> uh, because this is uh, Caseopia, uh, and we really. I was looking. I was just you know telling Professor Murphy that there's so much, and you, I mean, you know better than I do. I was going down their rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. There's like four parts to the band, eight spinoff groups, yeah, a it's magillion, insane. million albums. There's probably like <laughs> 80 people who have been in the band yeah. at one point. I mean, it's absurd. Yeah. Uh, and then they would like have these like crazy band offs with like some of their like competitor bands, but yeah. they were also like all friends. It was so much going on. Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't play it because in the interest of time. But I found this crazy video that I just saw for the first time. But apparently, it's been going around mm. making making the rounds for years. Of uh, Caseopia and a spinoff band of Caseopia called T Square. Mm-hmm. I believe it is, uh, and they're doing a Japanese jazz fusion version of Get Back by the Beatles. And it's actually one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Yeah, it's something else. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. And if maybe maybe we'll play a little snippet of it right at the end. Yeah. If we'll see, we'll figure it out. But this next uh, this next tune is called Midnight Rendezvous um, from Casiopeia's live album Mint Jams, mm-hmm. uh, released in 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, and jazz fusion is really you know on the up here. It's big. It's huge. Um, and it's I mean it's just so fun and so this is the first this is actually a song that Twerp uh, has recommended and and mm-hmm. my, so my favorite band so they actually got me into this this band Caseopia um, and it feels fusiony it's so fun yeah and it's just really raucous they're just yeah very entertaining band for sure deep deep rabbit hole <laughs> be <laughs> yeah, careful yeah. easily could be a, a full full radio show just on Caseopia like each week is a different lineup of their musicians and spin-off group. (laughs) Um, So here it is. This is Midnight Rendezvous by Caseopia from their live album, 1982, Mint Jams. Enjoy.
So, again, grooving and, and jamming like that for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, went down a little bit of the rabbit hole yep. of Caseopia mm-hmm. and kind of merging my interest with public, um, public yeah, transportation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought this, you know, you brought it up and I thought it would be super cool. Uh, so, Minura... Mukaya. 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 Yeah. Um, does the train jingles for yeah. Tokyo. Yes. So every train station in Tokyo mm-hmm. has a distinct six second melody. Yes. And that's pretty universal. Like sometimes the time might change mm-hmm. um, of the length, depending on what you know, train system you're going on and if it's in different cities. But you know, and so people have come to like know and love like mm. their train stations jingle because yeah. they hear it, you know, every day, and it's and they're all so good. Yeah, like, they're all I so know. much fun to listen to <laughs> because it's composed by the same guy who's doing like playing keyboard. Yeah. on these songs, and so I found a very long video of some <laughs> of the you know train jingles. I mean, long meaning, you know, it's a 10 minute video, but each jingle is 10, you know, six seconds. Yeah, exactly. So it takes that long to get through all of them. Yeah, there's least, a lot of train jingles. More than a hundred of them. Yeah. The vast majority uh, are composed by this guy. Yeah. I don't know which of these are actually composed by him from uh-huh. this compilation, but probably I would say a good amount of them are because yeah. he does the crazy groovy funky one so i'm just gonna kind of <laughs> skip to a random time signature yeah. in this track uh-huh. and we'll listen to like two or three uh train jingles yeah let's see what um, we got. <laughs> so let's see let's see what we let's see where we go yeah exactly if you recognize any of them Ooh, that might be tough. <laughs> all right I'll, I'll close my eyes i i, mean, I don't have the names up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no i'll close my eyes and try to i'll put myself in the put, city put yourself yeah, in the city in, in the train in yeah. tokyo all right so follow along at home we're at four minutes and 35 seconds and if you find the video mm. here it is one yeah they're all really fun and uh yeah. boy i wish new york city had that i know <laughs> wouldn't it be nice yeah I, I, if anyone's been to tokyo you you instantly recognize those what's funny i was reading that he did a sequence for the tozai line in tokyo where if you did you see this if you start if you ride the tozai line in tokyo from this the first stop to the last stop the whole uh each uh discrete station jingle when you listen to them all together, it compose it, it makes a full it song. It makes a full song. Wow. Yeah. 
So he was really, yeah, he was really, and he, uh, he would think about what kind of neighborhood the station served. Yeah. So if it was an older neighborhood, like in the sort of Stamachi area, he'd use like sort of synth pads for like traditional instruments and sort of work that yeah, into yeah. the scale a little bit. Or if it was a younger a neighborhood with young people, like he'd sort of, okay, what do college kids want to listen to? <laughs> See, I, I think it's fascinating that he would put that much, you know, uh, consideration into the jingles. I think they're great. There's, I mean, they're so cool. Um, I was looking at it. Uh, someone actually went through and ripped every single one of them and turned them into ringtones. <laughs> so I was thinking of finding a really good one and making that my new, like, text tone. There you go. Because that could be really fun. But yeah. I feel like I need to go to a go to Tokyo first and see the stations right. before making it my ringtone. <laughs> um, Alright, so we have one more, we're going to play one more snippet to close off this little section on um, Fusion. Mm. Uh, and then we're going to move into Current. And we have just a, a, it's literally like two or three songs talking about what, you know, jazz in Japan led to and the current popular music or current meaning, you know, 15, 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, but this is uh, a piece by the band that you mentioned, um, mm. Sadistic, Sadistic Mika Sadistic Band. Sadistic Mika Band, with, yeah. who has, um, oh my God, what's... Uh, Takanaka. Takanaka, yeah, yep. Takanaka uh, in the band. And mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, we'll just play like a minute yeah, of it, get the feel yeah, of, totally. of what it is. And yeah, yeah. here it is, here, here it is. is. <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, this one's yeah, 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 it's from the oh, album Black Yeah, Ship. from the album Black Ship. The song's called Nanika ga Umi wo Yatte Kuru. Umi wo Yatte Kuru? Yep. What does that, what does that translate to? Uh, something uh, comes across the ocean. Ooh. Which is kind of maybe provocative. A, maybe a breeze? Even? Maybe a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> breeze coming across the you're ocean. You're killing it, Nick. I like what you're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, here it is.
There it is. There Sorry it is. for that technical hiccup. I forgot <laughs> to mute one of the mics and uh, kind of the mics supersede everything. So Swift recovery. Yes, we got it. Um, so that, uh, I mean, those cats go on to do a lot of stuff in yeah. the band, right? Yeah, you get Yellow Magic Orchestra out of them. Obviously, you get the the Takanaka stuff yeah. comes out of that. All sorts of things. And uh, successful record producers. Uh, yeah, they were a real nucleus for a lot of what was going on in the 70s yeah. with Fusion. But but then you also get, you know, disco, mm -hmm. which is huge <laughs> in the late 70s in Japan. And and, and quite, quite, quite well into the 80s, which I think is kind of interesting in Japan's yeah. case, you know. Yeah, and so this next tune is um, one that you, you put forward um, because it's, I mean, it's just so cool. Yeah. It's just like, it's really fun and... and so I didn't know anything about this um, this artist uh, Tetsuro Yamashita. Yep, Yamashita. Um, that's right. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he he and uh, his wife, whose name I'm blanking on. Oh yeah, uh, Takauchi Maria. Yeah. Who some people might know. Uh, she's sort of like the the sort of quintessential city pop singer. Yeah. For a lot of people, and he, they're and they're and they're a couple, so they're sort of like the first family of city pop, <laughs> family right? Family of city pop, yeah, yeah. I have him down as like the soft, like city pop surf rock esque. Yeah, he was a huge song. fan of the Beach Boys. Yeah. He really liked the sort of the, the California Hawaii imagination, but sort of mixed with R and B, soul, and jazz, yeah. and, and, and disco. So his his sort of fusion of those elements is sort of where you get the sort of the aesthetics of city pop, I guess. Yeah, that's sort of like. Again, very breezy, very cool, you know, uh, very much driving music. Yeah. You know, oh, very, yeah. very car radio friendly music. Um, and in fact, some of his albums, I think one of his albums called Come Along is is sequenced uh, with uh, a fake DJ talking in between tracks yes. to really give you that sort of full simulated driving along a, a beachside highway yeah. kind of experience. And my favorite band, Twerp, very much did the same thing. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's great. Um, this song is um, from his album "For You," mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, it's called "Love Talking." Yeah, and so we're gonna play a little bit of it. Um, this is the the jazz leads into the disco, yeah. uh, so it's super fun for sure. Here it is.
So, uh, you were telling me during that song actually some really, really interesting stuff about, yeah, the the album. So, yeah, it's a really cool album. I, the Dream My Bones Dream. It's a, it's essentially a concept album, mm -hmm. and it sort of relates to what we were talking about before because. Uh, also, like um, uh, Akiyoshi Toshiko, uh, uh, Ishibashi Eko's uh, grandfather uh, lived in Manchuria mm -hmm. uh, during the war years, or pre-war, pre but during the, the period when Japan's empire extended into China, yeah. northern China. And he, I think, worked for the South Manchurian Railroad Company. Um, and I think Ishibashi Eko found a bunch of family photo albums or a bunch of uh, heirlooms, and mm -hmm. she became fascinated with his life uh, during the empire, uh, the years of the Japanese empire, and she she basically reconstructed this sort of narrative of his life through this album, hmm. which I think is a fascinating yeah. concept. And this song in particular is is supposed to sort of recreate the sensation or the experience of, of, of traveling on the Manchurian rail. So each uh, stop is announced in Chinese as the <laughs> song progresses. The beat kind of has this sort of kind of, you know, uh, Growing sort of, almost. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of this sort of, uh, you know, sort of, uh, what's the word? Sort of a rollicking sort of a, a train rhythm yeah. that sort of goes along with the melody. So it's sort of simulating, it's a train simulator, essentially. I know, I want to, <laughs> I want to listen to it so bad. And actually, I, this is so random, but the fact, you just mentioned train simulator. Mm -hmm. The guy who did the keyboards, actually, for, um, uh, or the guy who did keyboards for Cassiopeia, Minura, um, Mukaya. Mukaya. Yeah. He runs all of the train simulator games. Oh. Like he made, like he made them, and like was a huge part of it. And he like, sorry, that's you so mentioned funny. train simulator. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's. I was reading all about this guy's the the guy. This is back to the guy who does the train jingles. Mm -hmm. He basically makes train simulator games. <laughs> so he was in Casiopeia. Yeah, yeah. Makes jingles for it. Tokyo train stations, and then makes the the train station games. And he like, like also like works with. I think the company of right. like the Tokyo Rail or like the JR line or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. something Amazing. like that. Like he does consulting or something with them. Wow, which is crazy. Yeah, I love it. I love the I love the the connective themes that are running through this episode. <laughs> we have breeze. Yeah, trains. Yeah, we got the city. City. Across, <laughs> you know, across across history, the city, the city of Tokyo. City of Tokyo. Others. Yeah, um, and jazz, of course. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this is the last song. Um, heartbreaking um, but this is another really big favorite of mine mm -hmm. um, so I actually sort of got introduced to this through the Netflix the French Netflix original show called Lupin oh right Arsenine right, right. Lupin uh, right. so Arsenine Lupin in the show is um, it's a French uh, spy thriller show it's really it's actually really good I really liked it I, I loved it I watched yeah. the first season that was excellent. Um, and it's basically based in, in this world of Lupin. It's based on this, um, you know, English gentleman's butler, um, you know, these series of, of old English books. Um, but this French show was actually inspired by this Japanese anime. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not appreciate that connection. Lupin the Third, which is okay. crazy. Um <laughs> Because I, I had no idea. Uh, and so Lupin, the gentleman butler, yeah. is... Or the gentleman... Uh, gentleman's butler. Burglar? Gen yeah, gentleman's burglar. Right, yeah. right. Um, oh. It's a show in, in Japanese. It's a huge, very popular TV right. show. Yeah. Uh, our, there's a Lupin the Third, the castle of... 
Oh, yeah. Castrilliosis, which is Hayao Miyazaki's first feature film, the guy who does all of the Studio Ghibli movies, his first movie is a Lupin movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's a big deal. Uh, and so there's so many animes of the show and mm. so many different opening themes, but they all sound very similar. Um, very jazzy. but And they're yeah. very jazzy. And yeah. they're really fun. Yeah. They're totally. really fun. So this will be the last song, yeah. sadly. Oh, oh, by the way, it just occurred to me. Quick uh, opportunity for cross-promotion here. Oh, yes. Um, speaking of uh, Lupin and, uh-huh. and French uh, detectives, cops, and robbers, uh, Ian Curtis, uh, Professor Ian Curtis in uh, the MLL department, is teaching a course in the spring on the French detective novel. No way. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah, and I think they're going to oh. be watching uh, the, sh- the, the, the Netflix show. show. Yeah, so oh. if you're interested, if you're interested in uh, another spring course and you're on the fence about what to take, uh, that one is also special topics. It's also <laughs> taught in translation. Oh my God. So, yeah, yeah that's so, that out. that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called the detective novel or the French detective novel. I yeah, say. I don't think I've seen anything about that yet. Maybe keeping it keeping it on the DL, keeping it secret. Well, so now is I'm blowing up his spot. Sorry, up sorry Ian, <laughs> Professor Curtis. Uh, I, my apologies. But it sounded like a cool course, and when you mentioned that, I thought, oh, I have to bring this up. Oh, so. yeah. No, that's, wow, that's really cool. Shout out Kenyon. I know. That's <laughs> cool, cool teachers, cool classes. Um, all right, so this is the last tune of the show. Um, we'll meet you on the other side, but thank Thanks, you all everybody. so much for listening. And thank you, Nick. Thank you, really. Appreciate I was going to thank you at the end, but really thank you now. <laughs> but I'll thank you again at the end. <laughs> right. Here it is, Lupin the Third, and this is uh, from the 1978 anime, but this theme song was re-recorded in 2002, so it's the theme song to the 1978 show, but just recorded later. Here it is.
right. There <laughs> That's you have fun. It. <laughs> um, yeah, so, wow. Two hours and seven minutes, <laughs> and it's still nowhere close to enough time to explore <laughs> Japanese jazz. Uh, we're so much more. Um, so, I first want to thank uh, Professor Murphy for doing this. No. I mean... It's my pleasure, honestly. What incredible. a blast. I, I, yeah. What would I... I would have known nothing. I would, I would have known nothing. No, no. <laughs> no, that's not true, but it, it was such a treat. I, I really... I'm super grateful that you would bring me in. You know, this was a total blast to get down into this new studio, see yeah. this for the first time. Uh, you know, when I was uh, uh, talking with H a few weeks back and he mentioned this show, <laughs> I just thought it was such a cool concept. And I was like, okay, I have to tune into this. Um... And I think you sent me a link. Was it last week's show? Last week's show on, on Uruguayan jazz. Yeah. yeah, and that just got me super excited to, to come this <laughs> week. So, yeah, this was so much fun, Nick. Thank you so and much. It, yeah, no, thank you. And uh, I just want to especially thank Nora for letting us use yes. her laptop thank to you, record Nora. it. Uh, this will be the first show that was recorded. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna try and put it up somewhere, maybe the SoundCloud, something like that. I don't know if I can actually put it on like Spotify podcasts because mm. it has all this music right, that I don't right. have licenses to right. um, to like <laughs> broadcast. But no, I own the music, FCC. I own all of the music. Yeah. So if you're listening, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, FCC, <laughs> big, the big FCC. Um, but yeah, I'm so grateful that you were able to come on the show. Um, oh, likewise. And this was truly a joy. Thank you to to all of you who tuned in, to all of you who stayed the entire time. Um, yeah, shout out. Yeah, shout out to the two hour the two hour club. If you made it up until now, yeah, I salute you. Um, but yeah, this was this was a really fun fun show to put together, and it's one that I have been thinking about and imagining since the very first week, and and really was one of the the ideas for the show. Um, basically, like mm. when I first became passed my DJ exam, the little <laughs> DJ test, uh, I got to put in a couple of Japanese jazz albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, put, I got into put in, I got to ask whatever album they could would buy for me and it would be like part of the library, part of, the library right. of the show. And the first, the, the only albums that I put were Japanese jazz albums because I thought like, I was like, this is it. Yeah. I have to do this. Um, funnily enough, I didn't actually play any of the songs right. for those three albums, but Just I will. Just goes to show, right? Yeah, because yeah, there's so yeah. much. There's so yeah. much uh, to play. Um, but yeah, so thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, I'll have the recording up somewhere, sometime, someplace. If you know me, you'll probably know where it'll be. Um, and yeah, um, Again, one more time, shout out to Professor Murphy and for the course that really inspired a lot of this. Uh, yeah, I mean, talk about uh, next shout semester. Out to yeah, good timing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is working out uh, swimmingly. Yeah, uh, I hope to see some folks in the spring. Yeah, if you have questions about the course or whatever else, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, my email is on my faculty page on the website, <laughs> which I'm sure most people can find their way to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I found it. It's not too hard. Yeah, if I can find it, anyone can. Anyone can. <laughs> Um, so thank you all for listening um, have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you guys uh, next Wednesday at 2 o'clock with a theme that I have not yet discovered uh, but we'll figure it out and it'll be groovy it, it won't be it won't be as crazy as this one special <laughs> guest everything's awesome but boy will it be funky I'll be listening I hope so well thank you all for listening um, we're signing off this was Jazz of the World ooh I forgot to say that we are WKCO 91.9 broadcasting live from Gambier, Ohio. Uh, the time, current time is 4.11. I forgot to do that. Oh, and right. the 3 o'clock hour. 
Sorry, sorry, sorry FCC. Whoops. You can blame it on me. Yeah. <laughs> it was just too funky. It was just too funky. <laughs> yeah, it was just too funky. Um, all right. Well, uh, here it is. Uh, enjoy the uh, royalty-free music that can be shuffled endlessly until 5 o'clock when the next show is. Have a wonderful night, everybody, and uh, stay groovy. And uh, where's this playlist? And here it is. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.